Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Falcoholic podcast listeners, welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Live. I am your host, Kevin Knight, here to remind you that you can catch these shows live on YouTube on Wednesdays at 8, 10 p.m. Eastern. And we're also having a few special shows in the offseason. We'll be doing some playoff watch parties while the playoffs are going on and some other special occasions. So stay tuned for YouTube and our Twitter account at Falcoholic Live for updates on our programming. Thank you all once again for your support on Patreon. If you're interested in that, you can check that out at patreon.com slash Falcoholic Live and check out our new community Discord server, the link to which you can find as I said, on our Twitter account. So thank you guys very much. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to the Falcoholic Live, and we are here to break down the Falcons' hiring of Arthur Smith as the new head coach. Exciting stuff. I've been sitting here literally all day waiting for this, so we could get this out to you guys as soon as possible. So uh, we are here. We're excited. I'm joined by Corey Woodruff of the Falcoholic and also of movie critic fame. Corey, how are you doing today? I am very happy. Um, For the first time in three years, I am happy about something the Atlanta Falcons did. (laughs) Yeah, it's Um, a weird feeling. Yeah. Yeah, this is the this is probably the happiest I've been for the Falcons since they beat the Rams in the playoffs, which was three years ago. Yeah, it's it's been a minute now. It's been it's been a whole thing. Uh, So I'm very happy. Uh, as well. I mean, this was a guy that I was a big fan of. Um, I think you were a big fan of as well. Uh, I think everyone was pretty universally like in on Arthur Smith to varying degrees throughout the process, but it's cool that he's here now and it's official and we've got all kinds of good stuff to talk about uh, with regards to this hire. So yeah, we're going to get right into it, guys. Uh, If you have specific questions about the hire, just let us know. We'll try to get to as many as we can. We're going to have more people popping in. Obviously, you know, this is kind of spur of the moment. You know, guys are driving home from work and are getting off of other stuff. So we will try to uh, get folks in as they arrive. But, you know, you're just going to have to be satisfied with the dulcet tones of myself, Kevin Knight, at Falcon Kevin, and Corey Woodruff at Corey Woodruff 47. So, uh, yeah, Corey, I mean, was Arthur Smith kind of your guy all along? Or is this... Well, I have... You know, it's interesting. Like I'm from Nashville, so I am surrounded by Titans and right. my father-in-law is a big Titans fan. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I've grown up, I was, I was a Titans fan as a kid. So the Titans have been like a big part of my sports ecosystem where I live. So um, being a Falcons fan in Nashville has always been a very strange outlier and there aren't many of us, but they're there. Right. Um, but you know, Watching the Fal- the watching the Falcons the last few years has been pretty boring and not always very fun. And sometimes, you know, you would want to find something else to do with your Saturday afternoon, particularly when you <laughs> knew things weren't going, you know, the right direction. And I would watch 
you know, the Titans. And I'd watch them, you know, pretty infrequently, whether I'd be, you know, visiting with family or with friends. So, like, I've seen a decent amount of what Arthur Smith has done in Atlanta. I mean, excuse me, in Tennessee. And if he does that in Atlanta, I cannot stress how enjoyable our Sundays are about to be. Um, what I love about the hire so much, and in Rappaport noted that they got their guy, that this was the top candidate all along, that they ended up getting who they wanted to get, which is exciting for a lot of reasons. But yeah, he just runs like the type of offense that's going to work so well with what we have. Um, I don't prescribe to the narrative at all that the Falcons are like devoid of talent on offense. I think they have quite a lot. I just think that when teams lose relevance and they're hidden behind bad scheme, it makes people forget what they do, who they have, because they're not really doing anything worth of note. And I think what Arthur Smith is going to do is like a year from now, the NFL is going to talk about Calvin Ridley, like one of the best young receivers in the NFL, like everyone should be. They're going to talk about Chris Lindstrom as one of the next great guards. We're going to reshift the focus to talk about how good Jake Matthews is. You know, people are going to be talking about Matt Ryan because I'm pretty sure that's who it's going to be the quarterback next year, barring a big surprise. Um, right. I just think this puts us back in relevancy because you finally have an offensive coach who's going to know how to use this roster properly and who is not going to call a dated scheme. And I can't say that watching Arthur Smith reminds me of Kyle Shanahan 100%, but it reminds me of watching the Falcons score a lot of points in any sort of way. I mean, it's just like looking at the way Tannehill plays. It looks like Matt Ryan. They utilize a lot of play action. They really have a good, strong, fortified run game. This year they averaged like 40 points a game. It felt like at a certain point and they were running without Taylor Lewan in the starting lineup. They're starting left tackle. And if you can have an offensive coach who loses a top three player on their offense and is able to mask that with Ty Sambrello and David Questenberry. <laughs> I don't know how you can't look at that and go, that's a feat of coaching. Um, and I just, I, I think this is probably, you know, I feel the same way I do when they hired Dan Quinn. I think they got probably the premier coaching target or one of the premier coaching targets this yeah. cycle. And it's just hard to be anything but excited. Yeah, I know people were panicking because it took a while for this announcement to come out, but like you guys shouldn't have been panicking. Um, you know, we tried to tell you, but uh, it, it's these sorts of things happen. Teams want to like the Falcons wanted to announce it themselves. They wanted to, you know, set up this whole thing and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, it, it, we tried to tell you to relax and everything's fine. And when a guy cancels an interview, he's not. He's not weighing his options, I guess is what I'll try to say. Like, if he's canceling outstanding interviews, he's made his decision. So this delay today from when the offer was made to when it was accepted formally now, it was probably accepted this morning when it was offered, to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, so just relax a little bit. Everyone can, can you know, celebrate now. Uh, but these this is the way it goes in the NFL these days that, uh, you know, teams want to announce it or there's going to be delays or whatever. Uh, so... Yeah, I mean, I agree with basically what Corey's saying. I mean, I, I think this was a, a very impressive job by Arthur Smith over the past two seasons in Tennessee. Um, I really think that he got a lot more out of that offense than most would have. Um, and the most impressive thing to me about Tennessee's offense is that red zone efficiency, which is what the Falcons mm -hmm. have struggled with under Dirk Cutter and to some extent under Steve Sarkeesian. He did improve a lot in 2018, and I don't think he gets enough credit for that. But um, 
just a really exciting system. If you were bored to tears by Dirk Cutter's offense and thought it was vanilla, you're going to love Arthur Smith because he loves to throw out creative play designs. Play action is his bread and butter. Like he's going to run play action an absurdly high amount of the time. He's basically the anti-Dirk Cutter. Uh, he's he's great in the red zone. Um, and I think, like, I, I tweeted about it earlier that if you were to just not change anything, so the Falcons have the same number of red zone trips and only improved and just improved the red zone efficiency to what the Titans had this year, they would have scored, you know, around 60 more points than they scored this year. That would have put them in the top 10 in terms of scoring offenses and probably would have netted them at least four to five more wins considering they were 0-7 and and games decided by six points or less. 13 touchdowns is what that would have changed. So uh, just a very good offensive coordinator and a very hot name. Um, And I I think... Mm -hmm. The way that this played out also with, you know, Terry Fontenot, we'll talk about him later in the show, is I think the Falcons were a much more desirable landing spot than some in the media were letting on. Because if you look at some of the the, the way this played out with Brad Holmes, who was their other finalist, Holmes did not announce he was going to the Lions until the Falcons announced that, or it leaked that, Terry Fontenot was their choice, which leads me to believe that Holmes was waiting to hear from the Falcons before he agreed to go to Detroit. Mm. Um, And, you know, Arthur Smith canceled his interview with Detroit after the Falcons made their offer. So, um, you know, I think that maybe we were right about how desirable the Falcons were and maybe some of the talking heads were wrong. What's your take on that, Corey? Um, You know, I feel like the hiring process, how it's reported and how it actually plays out, obviously, it's going to be very different. You know, it's kind of like the Hamilton line. You got to be in the room where it happens. Like, I think you really do have to, like, understand what goes on behind the scenes to be behind the scenes, to understand how it fully goes on behind the scenes. And, you know, there was such a rigmarole made about Rich McKay's role in this all this process. And a lot of articles came out listing Atlanta as a not desirable location which i always thought was kind of ridiculous but you know i think a lot of this is just a symptom of the fact that people have kind of forgotten what the falcons do well because we've not done consistently well in a long time so i i feel like that you know to come away with probably i feel like the hottest coaching candidate because he got interviewed access with all six teams it seemed like and then a personnel guy that has been widely bandied about as being one of the fast rising names in the NFL. I mean, I heard about Terry Fontenot a while back, it seems. So it just feels like for all of the hubbub that had been going on, that there's just such a relief to know that we still are one of the better run organizations in the NFL. And I think people don't forget that. Arthur Blank is a very good owner. I think that Rich McKay, for all of the mystery around what he does, is a very respected name in the league. I mean, people respect Rich McKay and I think that at the end of the day, we follow this process very religiously. We follow every piece of news. Like a week ago, I was like sold on the idea Joe Brady was going to be our next coach. But, right, right, you know, right. you never know till you know. So I think at the yeah. end of the day, it's, it's a nice example that the, the team knows what it's doing. Yeah, that's very, very true. Uh, welcome in. Evan Birchfield, he's at Evan Birchfield on Twitter and Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way, joining the conversation now. Guys, we've been opening the conversation about this, but I want to get your takes in here as well. So, Evan, you beat Adnan by about 10 seconds, so you all <laughs> get the next shot here. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on the hiring of Arthur Smith for the Falcons at this point? 
Um, I'm excited. I think it's a great hire, and we finally have an offensive-minded head coach, so we don't have to worry about losing him every year if, if he does well. Um, I've said it before, but I just find the comparison between the current Titans and Falcons mm-hmm. offense um, very similar. Mm-hmm. When you look at, aside from running back, obviously, there's no Derrick Henry on our team, but that's something, you know, the team will probably address in the offseason. Um but I'm really excited. Uh, I, I speculated it this, you know, this season. Uh, he was kind of my favorite going into it. Me and Corey talked a bunch about um, the potential head coaches and stuff like that. And then there at the end, I was really excited between him and Joe Brady. I thought no matter what, the Falcons were going to get, a, you know, a good offensive-minded head coach, which is honestly all I cared about from the beginning. Um, and I, I'm really, I'm really excited. I, I you know, want to look at like what the moves are going to be headed forward. Um, and I don't know much about Terry Fontenot, but I'm excited to see kind of what he brings to the table. Um, it'll be nice not to be afraid of uh, the NFL draft and thinking, oh, well, they're just going to stay put. They won't trade down. I think that that um, with Arthur Smith being there, the possibility of them actually trading down kind of makes sense or not taking a quarterback makes sense because he got the most out of Ryan Tannehill. So imagine what he's going to do with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley on the field. Um, just excited. Um, and we got the whole offseason to kind of speculate and who knows what kind of offensive coordinator he's going to bring in or defensive coordinator. So yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, me too. It's exciting stuff. Very exciting stuff. Adnan, now your turn to tell us your thoughts on. Oh, why do you sound Arthur so Smith? disappointed? Oh yeah, that, no, I know. just I know you're gonna go off on some kind of tangent about how Matt Ryan. Said, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I mean it's time for us to trade for Ryan Tannehill. That's exactly. what I'm really switch Ryan's yeah. here. Yeah, and I do yeah, see that, the tips, guys. Really yeah, we got we got a lot of tips coming, and we're gonna get to those. I just wanted to give our guests first a chance to comment on it and then i will read off your tips and start with the questions guys so yeah go ahead uh Um, we were mentioning arthur smith's name for two seasons on the falcoholic live the past two years uh and it started two years ago when the team was in an absolute freefall we mentioned arthur smith as a possibility arthur smith was one of the three offensive coordinators i was really keeping uh a close eye on this past season as a potential replacement for Dan Quinn, even before Dan Quinn was fired. And Arthur Smith was among those three, along with uh, Eric Bieniemy and Wade Dobble, or Wade Dobble, um, Brian Dobble. Uh, I confuse it with Wade Phillips. Another name we'll, uh, we'll, probably, we'll probably get to later on and in future shows. But yeah, it's, I'm extremely excited. You guys want to know um, which teams had more yards per game than the Tennessee Titans this past season? The Kansas City Chiefs, end of list. They were the number two total offense in the entire NFL. And this was Arthur Smith's show. Like, Mike Vrabel had nothing to do with this offense. Arthur Smith, the past two years, has been the head coach of the Tennessee Titans offense. And this Titans offense is a unit that has carried this entire franchise the past two years. The offense carried them to the playoffs. This has been an offense first team even with the defensive-minded head coach. You know, they made it to the AFC title game on the back of the offense. This past year, the offense carried them to the playoffs. Ryan Tannehill went from an absolute bust in Miami to a backup quarterback in Tennessee. And when he took over, Arthur Smith helped turn him into one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the entire NFL. He had a pass rating of 117.5 last year. 
that's on par with Matt Ryan's passer rating in, the, in his 2016 MVP season. Of course, the volume wasn't completely there. Uh, Tannehill also led the league in yards per attempt with 9.6 last year, which is absolutely insane. Uh, I'm not saying that Ryan Tannehill is an MVP type player. I'm just saying that um, Arthur Smith helped unlock uh, Ryan Tannehill into being one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the NFL this year. Uh, Tannehill, once again, 106.5 pass rating, top five in the NFL, accounted for 41 touchdowns this year. Like Ryan Tannehill accounted for 41 touchdowns this season. That was mostly Arthur Smith. I mean, no, no, like disrespect to Tannehill either, but you know, the scheme had a lot to do with that. And I know the counter argument of, oh, it's, it was all Derrick Henry. Like, you know, (laughs) Derrick Henry is the one who, who did everything. No, that that's a terrible counter argument. Derrick Henry in 2018 was still the feature back in Tennessee. He was the number one running back. His stats in, tw- in the 2018 season, he had 1,059 total rushing yards. When Arthur Smith took over that offense, Derrick Henry led the league with 1,540 rushing yards last year. And then this past season, he had 2,027 rushing yards, leading the league in rushing touchdowns both seasons in yards per game uh, both seasons. So Derrick Henry's another guy, like he wasn't thought of as a superstar running back before Arthur Smith came in and took over. Arthur Smith unlocked the potential of his star players. And that's that's all you can ask for from an offensive coordinator within his scheme. I can't wait to see what he does with Matt Ryan with this play action heavy scheme because Matt Ryan thrives with the play action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I love it. I love the fit. Uh, I, I love everything about it. I mean, I think, you know, we talked about it on Wednesday, like we were getting a little hyped about Joe Brady just because he is such a new coach and such a hot name that it was, you know, like it was exciting. Like, I think we would have been happy with that hire as well, but it undoubtedly Arthur Smith has more experience and is the more seasoned option here. So like, I, I do think that at the end of the day, this is a better overall hire. Uh, oh man, guys, Dave Meat. We got Dave Meat, folks. Hold on. Is that is that the man himself? Dave Choate? No, maybe? Maybe not. Alright, anyway, as I was saying, uh, I do love the yeah. hire of Arthur Smith. Um, it, and yeah, I mean... Him? Oh, there's Dave. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, is that what it takes to get Dave on the show, the Falcons <laughs> hiring a new coach? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or firing one. I won't come yeah. on for any other reason. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, well, this is a good opportunity to let Dave get his take in here about the hiring of Arthur Smith. Dave, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think, you know, it's one of those hires. It's kind of the same way I felt about Mike Smith, where I like the hire. I like the reason they made the hire. Um, you know, clearly they liked what he did with the Titans offense, the way he was able to tailor that, make it efficient, make it an efficient red zone scoring team, cough, cough, dirt cutter, Um, you know, and some of the leadership skills he's exhibited in Tennessee. I don't think we know, you know, yet how he's going to fare running an entire team. I don't think we know what his staff looks like, and I don't know, you know, what the new front office is going to give him to work with besides what's already here. So there's so many unknowns, but I, I do think that given that this offense should be a strength for this team given that you know the offense has not been good the last couple of years um, and given that 
you've got to get as much of you, as you can out of Matt Ryan over the next couple of years here and then consider starting over on offense in an offense first league. This is the right kind of hire. Um, he might not have been the number one candidate on my list, but I think that he's shown that he can tailor his offense to the personnel he's got, and I think he'll do a great job getting Atlanta back on track there. So, so much of it just hinges on you know who he hires to fill out his staff and whether the Falcons manage to nail this offseason as tricky as that's going to be. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not an easy situation to navigate. You know, I've talked about it on the the videos that we've been putting out. You know, talking about the cap situation. The good news is the draft picks. You know, they have they're going to have you know between nine and ten draft picks depending on how the comp picks shake out. Um, so there there's opportunity here. Certainly. And the cap situation probably isn't as bad as like if you go to overthecap.com right now and look at the Falcons cap situation, it'll say that they're minus 24 million for 2021. I don't think that's going to happen because over the cap is assuming the cap goes down to the minimum, probably just to make sure that, you know, they have their bases covered there. They don't want folks to think there's more cap space than there could possibly be. But at the end of the day, the cap's probably going to stay flat. The Falcons are probably looking at being about at zero net. Uh, going into the off season here, you know, because they have, they have quite a bit of carryover from 2020. You know, they're going to have maybe five million or so in carryover, so that'll help get them to zero. They're going to have to figure out the rest of it. You know, there are options certainly, but it's not ideal. Uh, but I I think it really shows you that uh, this is a, a place where people wanted to come. And I was mentioning this early on, like this is a this was a desirable opening. People weren't scared off by Rich McKay or whatever was being talked about. Um, you know, Arthur Smith turned down an interview with the Lions after the Falcons offered him. That is meaningful. Uh, Terry Fontenot, you know, I think was another one of the hottest candidates chose Atlanta. Brad Holmes appeared to be waiting for for that announcement before he took the Lions job as well. So I guess the Falcons are just pilfering the, the Lions targets or something like that. But um, yeah, it, it's it's very exciting to have a coach that's offensive, first of all. We've been clamoring for this for years, uh, and I, I'm glad it's Arthur Smith. Uh, I, I have been kind of on the Arthur Smith train since last year. You know, I think... That's when his name first got floated as being a potential guy. Um, you know, I tw- I went and searched and found my tweet, you know, where I predicted Arthur Smith in September. So guys go like that, you know, give me those those mad props and my internet street cred that I've been looking for. But, uh, you know, every once in a while I get one right. I've had John Kaminsky and now I have Arthur Smith. So I've got two in six years now. So, you know, uh, stacking those W's. But um, just as a coaching candidate, I think he's exceptional i think his offense is like i said kind of the anti-dirk cutter uh it's great in the red zone it's very efficient uh two things that dirk cutter's offenses have really struggled to to do um so i'm i'm super jacked and super excited about this uh i would say i'm hashtag fired up if that didn't have you know such a negative connotation with falcons fans but um (laughs) yeah anybody else want to get a few words in edgewise here then i'm going to start reading off some of our donations I'm about to have to run, um, okay. so yeah. I'll just say something for half a second. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing about hiring a head coach, and this is going to be, you know, something I've been thinking about. Our good friend Aaron Freeman was listening to his podcast recently, and he kind of brought up that, like, you never really know how these things look after a couple of years until you really kind of see the full picture after we kind of get down the road. Um, I would just say that, you know, we deserve to be excited about this because it's been kind of a crappy couple of years in Falcondom. And I think we need to run with that. But at the same time, I think as we get into 
February and March and April, whatever happens personnel-wise, is to just kind of be patient with this new iteration of the Falcons because they're not going to be able to build this new image they have in their heads of what the franchise can be in a day. So if they make a move here or there that feels strange or feels uncomfortable, they release a guy you might like, they don't re-sign a guy. I just think that there just needs to be like a good couple of months of just being like, yeah, you know what? I'm willing to be patient with this. Now, if they traded like Julio or Matt or something, obviously <laughs> that feels a little different. But, right, right. you know, in general, I feel like that, you know, they need time to figure it out. And it may not be this season to where we see the full vision of what this team could be in the future. But I think the future is very bright. I think, you know, I feel good about things. Now, obviously, right around the time you start to feel good about things as a Falcons fan is when you should start getting <laughs> nervous. But yeah, maybe this is finally it. So I'm maybe at least for today. I'm happy. Yes. Cherish this moment, you know, enjoy it while we can. <laughs> some positive stuff, some positive mm-hmm. stuff. Thank you, Corey, for coming on. We appreciate you. See you guys. Um, all right, Adnan, that leaves just me and the Matt Ryan hater uh, here to take your questions. Uh, so, guys, uh, again, thank you so much for your donations and your support. Apologize, it took us a minute to get to them. You know, we wanted to get a lot of diverse perspectives in here on the hire, but by diverse, I mean everyone likes it. So, uh, so far, I haven't been able to find anyone that's not really into it. Uh, so, uh, before I start reading some donations here, guys, reminder, if you're enjoying the show, please uh, like. Uh, that helps people find it on the YouTubes. And if you're not already subscribed, hit that subscribe button for all that sweet, sweet Falcons content. We're going to have it coming to you throughout all the offseason uh, and all of that good stuff. So first of all, we've got Gary Stafford with the $10. Gary, thank you so much, man. We appreciate you. Uh, he says, thanks for keeping us up to date, Kevin. We appreciate you. Hopefully the start of something great for the Falcons. Uh, yeah, man, right there with you. Uh, it's very exciting great hire uh it's it's good to be excited uh, all right then we got our show benefactor george costanza with the five dollars yes george says he wanted lincoln riley yeah i know george was a big lincoln riley fan i know eric was high on riley going into the offseason as well too but george says he thinks smith is still the best fit uh he says i just think that rick Lincoln Riley could be the best, the next best great NFL mind. Can anything be worse than Cutter, though? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Adam Gase, maybe. Yeah. I can't wait for Dirk Cutter to get an OC job somewhere. Uh, Boise, right? <laughs> I mean, in, in fairness, I think I, I, I think he could make it in 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 a college for a college team. Yeah, yeah, he could. I mean, I think it, it would be easier for him, certainly. certainly. Yeah, yeah, for anyone. I mean, look at Sark. Yeah. He went back to Alabama, and now he's the head coach of Texas. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, George also says he thinks we're going to be the most improved team in the NFL next season. 10-6 and six is his way too early prediction. Hey, man, get that hype yeah, train I'm, rolling I'm right, right now. I'm right there with you. Yeah, get I'm that. right there with you. <laughs> it's leaving the station. You know, it's been T-minus, you know, 30 minutes since the hiring was announced, and we got the hype train going. So, hey, uh, You know what? 15 wins next year. 15 and 2. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm not going that far. I'm not going that yeah, far. But, yep, yeah, but remember, no, remember though, it's going to be a 17 game schedule next year. Yes. So I'm going to have to get used to all the different permutations now of the uh, 
now you can have an even number and an odd number in the in the record. It's just going to throw me off for a minute. So, uh, all right, we got another $5 from George Costanza. Again, thank you so much, man, for your support. He says, I think Smith needs to keep on Cutter as offensive coordinator just to ensure that continuity and stability, said nobody ever. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, they, uh, hey, at least I, they're not I, pushing I that like, narrative, right? Yeah. I feel like there would be no better way for the fan base to immediately sour on a new head coach. Like, mm-hmm. uh, immediately people would be like, fire Arthur Smith. Yeah, get him out of here. That bum, you know. Yeah. But he says, uh, with Smith now in the fold, don't be shocked if he goes for a Najee Harris or another big bruising back to replicate what was going on in Tennessee. Um, yeah, we've talked about that. Um, I know a lot of fans are super high on Najee Harris to the point where people in the Discord are saying we should take him at four. We're not going to do that. But no, I didn't take him at four. No, no. If he's there in the second, absolutely. I think they'll consider it. Um, I do think... If, yeah, go ahead. If we trade back and get an extra second rounder, then I think Najee Harris or Travis Etienne would be a possible target with that extra second rounder if they're there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Javante Williams from UNC, yeah. North Carolina. That's another big bruising back that could be a possibility as well. So keep that uh, in there. And we're going to obviously talk about that over the course of the offseason. We got lots of time, but uh, yeah. Uh, we also got Corey Carter with the $5 just straight up uh, donation. So thank you, Corey. And I know he. I see that he just tipped again with another questions. So thank you, Corey, so much for that. Uh, then we got Artie's, uh $5, brother. Thank you. Uh, he says, I'm happy we got a new promising head coach. Yeah, man, we're right there with you. Uh, what do you guys What do you guys think? When will we see some true benefits from it? He has to fix our run game, which doesn't seem to be easy because we've been struggling with that for years. Do we have a chance entering the playoffs next year? Yeah, I mean, I think we could see impact immediately. Um, you know, it, it takes time to make schematic changes, so don't expect the Falcons to, you know, get to 75% red zone efficiency overnight or anything like that. But the talent is certainly high level. Um, I, I think they will improve next year. I don't know how much, but I mean, they were 0-7 in one score game. So just by nature of like regression to the mean, they should be better. Uh, so it could be significant if the coaching and everything clicks. But what, do you, what are your thoughts on that, Adnan? I think we'll get some immediate improvement uh, just because this offense is talented enough to be a playoff offense. Like we know that they were completely held back by the scheme. They were completely held back by Dirk Cutter. Arthur Smith comes in. He runs a lot of motion. He runs a lot of play action. You know, a lot of stuff that, that doesn't go completely against analytics the way that, you know, Dirk Cutter did. We won't see as many second and 10 runs uh, under Arthur Smith, we may still see a few more first down runs because you really like doing that. But then again, that could be a product of Derrick Henry being on the team. I think this team has a legitimate shot at going at getting to the playoffs in Arthur Smith's first year as a head coach, and that would put Arthur Smith in the running as uh, as a coach of the year candidate. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, if he if he authors a turnaround of that nature, that would certainly put him in that stratosphere. Uh, and then we got one last donation from Corey Carter with the $5 again, brother. Thank you so much. Uh, he says, maybe we could give Marlon Mack a chance to be our next Michael Turner. Would like to see Mike McDaniel as an offensive coordinator candidate. I think it was rumored that he might be the guy who's getting promoted in San Francisco. So we'll see about that. He says, but I am reading, uh, Dave Ragone, uh, also, Sewell may be a possibility now with Smith building from the inside out. Yeah, we know Smith is, is big on the trenches. Um, still doubt the Sewell thing, but it could happen. I mean, it's not—it's better than Jamar Chase at four, PFF. So, 
you know, shout out to PFF. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down. We break down who will be cutting. Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hip. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. I think they could consider a veteran. I mean, with Marlon Mack's injury, he could be cheap. Um, I think they're probably just going to want to go for a rookie, but I wouldn't, you know, rule out a cheap veteran edition either. So, uh um, yeah, the only uh, pause with Marlon Mack for me is he's coming off a bad Achilles injury and he's a running back. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would come cheap. Like, I have no doubt about that. But I don't know just, you know, how much he has left after that injury. I don't know if he'll be the same running back because he was really good behind that Colts offensive line in 2019. But he's dealt with some injuries and, you know, he's coming off a really big one right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's no joke. You know, those Achilles injuries for running backs, uh, that's some serious stuff. So we'll we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, I I, I wouldn't rule out a veteran addition just because there's always talent there that is underutilized, but it would need to be a cheap one for the aforementioned salary cap issues. Um, so we've got Arthur Smith in here as the Falcons coach. Allegedly, we're going to have Terry Fontenot as GM. Um we don't know a whole lot about the strategy. We haven't, you know, with Fontenot still in the playoffs with the Saints, we haven't really gotten a chance to hear much from For him. A few more days until Monday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Only a few more days until he's hired, obviously. But um, yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see what the strategy is there. For you, Adnan, does the hiring of Arthur Smith change anything in terms of whether you think the Falcons are going to go quarterback at four or not? Uh, whether the Falcons do that, I literally have no idea what the Falcons are going to do at this point. Like I would have been fairly confident if Joe Brady or Brian Dobble came in that we would be going with quarterback at four. Now I legitimately have no clue because Arthur Smith could look at Matt Ryan and he could say, I I can completely work with this. Let's trade back. Let's, or let's cover the trenches. Let's uh, improve the defense, whatever. In my opinion, I would still personally still go quarterback at number four just because of the reasons we mentioned on the show on Wednesday and the reasons we've been talking about the past few weeks. Just because, you know, when's the next time you're going to be able to pick in the top five again? Ho- hopefully not for a long time. Um, next year's quarterback class is really weak. And, you know, you need to bridge that gap. You don't want to be, you know, caught the way the Saints are about to be caught having to start Taysom Hill next season. <laughs> I I would absolutely go with quarterback at four, but I have no idea. It's like with the Dan Quinn drops. You have no idea where Quinn is going to go with it. This year, I know even, like, I 
can't even begin to think where they're going to go with it this year. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess for me, this doesn't really move the needle. I mean, I don't think Arthur Smith is going to feel like he has to take a quarterback, but I do think that they will strongly consider it. It probably depends on a variety of factors, right? So, you know, what kind of package is offered for the trade down? Uh, because I think you either have to take a quarterback there or trade down. If you don't get a good enough offer, you just take a quarterback. Um, because you have to make either way, like regardless of what they really want to do, um, regardless of what they really want to do it for, they have to convince other teams that they're going to take a quarterback there if they want to get value for that pick. Because if if you're bidding with a team like the Dolphins, where you know now because they've announced support for Tua Tagovailoa that they're not taking a quarterback, they can't threaten that they're going to just turn down your trade and take the quarterback themselves because there's no teeth to it. The Falcons have that leverage still, and so do the Jets as long as they don't announce that they're going to keep Sam Darnold or something like that. But, um, so it'll be interesting. I, I still think it's like 75% chance. It's going to be one of the four quarterbacks. Um, and it could be Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or Trey Lance, depending on who Arthur Smith likes. But the good thing about Arthur Smith's scheme is that it could be any of them because he could make them all work. Um, he doesn't need a specific kind of quarterback. You know, he turned Ryan Tannehill into a top 10 quarterback in Tennessee after his career appeared to be on life support. So um, just it's very flexible uh, and it's going to be a good scheme for a young quarterback, too, I think, because as we've seen with Derrick Henry, like he is going to try to revitalize the run game and make that a key part of the offense so that the it's not all on the quarterback. And I think that's good for Matt Ryan and good for a potential top five pick playing in 2022 or 2023. Yeah, no, for sure. I like, I'm 100% on the quarterback train, even more so now than I was, you know, before, just because, I mean, come on, you don't, you have no idea what what the future holds, and if you get stuck with it, if you get stuck without a quarterback after Matt Ryan, you know, parts away from the team, then you could be like the the Dolphins and quarterback purgatory for a decade. Right. Uh, you could be like the Colts are right now. Like that Colts team has, you know, a fantastic defense, and they're they were hindered by their offense. They were hindered by a lack of a quarterback. They had to pay a very old, washed up Philip Rivers to be their quarterback this year. And moving forward, like what are they going to do a quarterback? Jacoby Brissett isn't moving the needle at quarterback. Um, you know, you have the Bears. The Bears are uh, a case in what happens if you completely miss on a quarterback. You know, that's a cautionary tale. But they're without a quarterback, despite having a really good defense, despite being a playoff team without it. If those teams had quarterbacks, they would be legitimate Super Bowl contenders. Like, I don't think in today's NFL you can win a Super Bowl with a game manager quarterback. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to find a Super Bowl caliber quarterback in free agency. Like, teams do not let their Super Bowl caliber quarterbacks hit the free agent market. Uh, you had. Teddy Bridgewater uh, in the free agent market, Cam Newton. Those guys aren't moving the needle for a Super Bowl. Phillip Rivers. Um, meanwhile, w with the Atlanta Falcons, you know you have Matt Ryan for a few more years, but then after that, you have to you have to start making some plans. Matt Ryan isn't getting any younger. He's thirty six right. years old. The last game manager quarterback who I can think of 
who won it game managing was Peyton Manning in 2014 yeah. Yeah. when he was like, or 2015 when he was over the hill. But mm. Manning still won that AFC championship game because of his experience. Not yes. everyone is Peyton Manning who can do it with his mind. And then, um, you know, people are going to argue Nick Foles. They're going to argue Joe Flacco. Like Nick Foles was a Super Bowl MVP. Nick Foles <laughs> was the best player on the field in the <laughs> NFC championship game and in the Super Bowl. He mm. was not game managing his way to that Super Bowl. Joe Flacco is a Super Bowl MVP. His his playoff performance was fantastic. He wasn't game managing his way to the Super Bowl. Like don't give me, oh, the Eagles won it with Nick Foles. Like Foles had an out of body experience throughout yeah. those playoffs. Sometimes that and, can happen, but do you want to depend yeah. on that is the question, you know? Yeah, like do you, you want to like, depend on that? Yeah, do you want to depend on that one in like one thousand chance that your quarterback just like becomes you know, Super just, Saiyan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i'd rather not yeah no i mean i think i think you're right like it's it's rare and i think it's going to get more and more rare as we see these offenses helmed by these transcendent talents at quarterback like to to win the super bowl you have to get past patrick mahomes or hope that somebody else does you know you can't just be good enough at quarterback and expect to win um and like i think for the record, that Matt Ryan's better than good enough. I mean, I think every time he's yeah, made yeah, to the playoffs, I, I'm, like, I'm not saying Matt that Ryan. you are. Yeah, I'm not saying that you're saying that, but just to make sure people know, like, I think Matt Ryan's more than good enough to be, you know, a top ten quarterback in Arthur Smith's scheme, maybe even top five. I mean, we'll see. Um, Ryan does have probably at least three to four years left, so if they do want to just stick with Ryan and try to trade down and and build. Uh, a core here with some some premium draft capital that is very much on the table um but it really just depends on the offer and all these other things and george costanza with another three dollars here george thank you so much again for your support uh he says look at dallas at 10 new england at 14 or washington at 19 to move up if we could move back take Najee Harris there in the first Najee won't make it to the second he is similar to Derrick Henry and teams want that he will not make it to the second I'm on the Harris train choo choo (laughs) yeah I mean I think those are all good options um I doubt the Falcons want to move back to 19 and Washington would have to trade some sort of ridiculous haul to pull off a move like that i think um denver at nine is another one they too. Give us something like what they gave the rams for rg3 you yeah. know like three first rounders and a ridiculous you know, offer second yes. rounders then you know i i'd be enticed to listen sure yeah if you're gonna give us a totally ridiculous offer uh then i would listen to any such offer but unlikely i guess would be the best word. but yeah i think denver is probably one that people are sleeping on if you guys checked out my mock draft Shout out to that uh, from the other day. Uh, I did have the Falcons trading down to nine with Denver, picking up an extra first and a second and third. Um, so, you know, that with the new GM in there that's not attached to Drew Locke, who has a history of going big for quarterback, um, that is a possibility if they're not sold on Drew Locke. So there are a lot of options there. And I guess in terms of the Najee Harris and the first thing, I, I just don't think it's worth it until you get into like the late 20s to really draft a running back in the first round. There's a lot of reasons for that financially. You know, those early firsts are really expensive contracts for running backs. You're talking about, usually it's a it's a deal, right? When you have a player on a rookie contract, but for a running back in the first round, it's really not. So you have to be cognizant of that. Um, and I, I know everyone loves Najee Harris and you're not wrong to love Najee Harris, but Watch Javante Williams. Go watch his film and tell me that you wouldn't be happy with Williams in the second round 
or maybe even in the third round, depending on how the chips fall in terms of who declares. Like, I think the value is better if you wait, because there are other guys that are very good. You don't need Najee Harris to be good. Um, so that that's what I would say to that. Not that I have a problem with Najee Harris. I'd love Najee Harris. And if he's there, maybe at the very end of the first round, maybe you do consider a small trade-up to grab him to get that fifth-year option. I mean, I think that is absolutely an option. But uh, the first run is really rich for running back for all the things I mentioned. Yeah, Corey Carter, Chub- Chubba Hubbard, you know. Uh, he's available probably on, on late day two. Uh, Trey oh. Sermon, you know. At yeah. the end, uh, yeah. Yeah. second round. And I mean, there's some – Derrick Henry was a second rounder. Um Dalvin Cook was a second rounder. Like you don't have, and I'm against, I'm fully against taking a running back in the first round. Like at this point, just given what we have with, given what we see with running backs, how short the shelf life is, just how that position is used. I'm, I'm against it. I'm like, it doesn't matter unless it's some transcendent generational talent even if it was, uh, you know, I'd pause. I'd pause at it. Like with the Giants a few years ago, even taking Saquon Barkley at two, I I think that was a mistake. Like you know, you have a pick like that. I'm I'm against going running back. You see it like uh, Zeke Elliott. Uh, the Cowboys are probably regretting giving him that contract. Um, he's he like running backs are too much a product of what of what goes around of what goes on against uh, around them. I'm not saying that Najee Harris wouldn't, isn't going to be fantastic in the NFL. I'm not saying that I wouldn't love to have Najee Harris on our football team. I absolutely would, but I would not give that premium first rounder for him. Not when this team has so many holes to fill um, around the, around the defense, you know, even along the offensive line, we need a left guard. We need, another pass rusher we need we need safety help we need another cornerback like running back in first round that's if you're the kansas city chiefs coming off a super bowl and you have the last pick in the first round and you decide to make a value pick with um, a luxury pick with clyde edwards Alaire, that's where i'm fine getting uh, mm-hmm. a running back in the first round but not where the falcons are right now yeah 32nd is basically a second round pick so that's cool at that point like you know later like 25 and on Totally fine because the, the the wage scale drops significantly at that point. But um, you just have to be careful financially too because you're going to get a situation like the Giants with Saquon and the Cowboys with Ezekiel Elliott where it's like they're now being paid like a premium running back on a rookie deal. So like if they're not that good, not only is it not a bargain, you're like losing money. And it just, for several reasons, it's just not quite as good a pick as you think. Um, we also have Mike Thompson with the twenty dollars, brother. Thank you so much. Thank That's great. That's crazy, man. Uh, thank you so much. We pre- not you're not crazy. We're just you know very appreciative of your support. That, that's all I'm trying to say. Uh, but yes, Mike Thompson says, "Great show, guys. Love listening to the great info you all provide." Who do we think will be the offensive coordinator now? Um, you know, my favorite name of what I've heard floated was Mike Munchak because I think he is a offensive line guru, and I think that addition would be huge for fixing the offensive line. That is, hasn't really been corroborated. That's just my thinking. Um, did you have any names in mind? Uh, well, Munchak actually hired Arthur Smith in Tennessee in That's 2011. Right. Yeah. Like he brought him on as uh, the defensive. Arthur Smith started out, out as a defensive guy in Tennessee, actually, before uh, going the offensive route in 2012, kind of similarly to what the Falcons did with Raheem Morris a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as in regard to offensive um 
offensive coordinator, whenever an OC takes a head coaching job, you always immediately look at who his assistants were um, at his uh, at his previous stop. And those guys are Rob Moore, who was the wide receivers coach at Tennessee. You know, he did a great job with A.J. Brown and with Corey Davis this past year. Pat O'Hara uh, was a quarterback's coach of the Titans from 2018 through 2020. You know, he did a great job in helping turn Ryan Tannehill's career around. Other uh, other guys who Arthur Smith has some experience with who are on the coaching staff with him uh, during his days in Tennessee, you have a guy like Ken Wisenhunt, who is a former head coach of the Tennessee Titans and head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Um, he's been an offensive coordinator or a head coach between 20, 2004 and 2019. Like he has a wealth of experience. Um, you know, he was the offensive coordinator of the Chargers in two stints. Uh, then you have maybe uh, a guy like even Terry Rubisky, who is a former Falcons wide receivers coach for seven years here uh, under the Mike Smith and early part of the Dan Quinn regime. He was the Titans OC in uh, 2016 and 2017, was a Jags running backs coach uh, this past season. And we saw what a great job he did with um, – but I'm drawing a blank with the Jags running back who was an RB one in fantasy football this past year. Help me out here, Kevin. Oh God. Or, or help me out here. Guys in the chat. Yeah. Come you're going to need no. to carry. I didn't even hear the question. Cause I was getting a live news update from Dave Choate, uh, but somebody in fantasy football. So I just assume that it's, you know, a running James back. Robinson, James oh, Robinson. that's it. Yes. Okay. James, yes. James Robinson. Yes. He, he did a great job with Robinson. I would mm-hmm. not prefer Terry Rubisky, I um, but you know he's. I'm just floating names that uh, Arthur Smith is familiar with back from his Tennessee days these past few years. Like don't don't say that I want uh, Rubisky as our OC. I don't. Yeah. But you know, along with Mike Munchak as well, those are just some possibilities. Those are some names to look out for. Yeah, yeah. So we do have an update on potential OC. We don't know that it's for sure offensive coordinator, but it will be a senior offensive staff member. It will be Dave Ragone. Uh, someone mentioned it earlier on, on in the chat. Uh, Adam Kaplan is reporting that Dave Ragone, who was the Bears passing game coordinator, uh, Smith is planning to hire him either to be offensive coordinator or passing game coordinator. Apparently that's not official only that Ragone is going to join the Falcon staff. So I don't know much about Ragone other than the fact that this is being reported, but that he is going to be a senior staff member. Uh, Kaplan did note that Arthur Smith is planning to call the plays himself on offense. I know there were some reports out there from some Tennessee folks that maybe Smith was considering let somebody else call the plays during the game, but it seems like, uh, Kaplan is reporting that Smith is planning to call the plays, which is not surprising. So, um, we also have $10 donation from Dion DiNardo. Thank you, brother, for your support. We appreciate you. He says, great show guys. Thanks for all you do. Let's bring back Wade Phillips for DC. Who do we like I'm as defensive? Co- I'm definitely I'm here for it. Here yeah. for Wade Phillips. Wade Phillips got such a bad deal in Los Angeles. Like yeah. he was scapegoated out of Los Angeles by Sean McVay the same way that um, Dan Quinn scapegoated his both his coordinators a couple of years ago. That Rams defense in 2019 was statistically better than the Rams defense in 2018. And remember mm-hmm. how much we were praising uh, Phillips in 2018. Like the defense wasn't statistically like amazing in 2018. They did what they had to in 2019. Like it was better in regard to yards per game uh, allowed in uh, scoring defense 
But uh, the reason for the Rams, like, uh, regression in 2019 was because they had a lot of offensive line injuries, and that offensive line, that offense as a whole regressed. And Wade Phillips was just um, – he had to fall on the sword for all of that. He ended up retiring for a year. He said that he's he wants to come back. He wants to coach again. I'd be for Wade – like, Wade Phillips was the defensive coordinator in 2015 and 2016 when the Broncos were the number one total defense in the league and mm-hmm. a top five scoring defense. Yeah, yeah. How, how, how many guys can like say that, that in the last five years, they presided over a number one total defense? Wade Phillips can say he's done it twice. Like I'm fully, and also the other thing that um, interests me with uh, Wade Phillips is he has experience being the head coach of a defense. So we don't need someone who's just like a defensive coordinator with, you know, a defensive head coach and the defensive coordinator. They work in conjunction. They work side by side. No, Wade Phillips, like, he ran the show with that Rams defense because Sean McVay wasn't touching the defense. So this yeah. is the same situation with um, with Arthur Smith. He needs he needs a veteran, experienced defensive coordinator where he can say, here you go. You can uh, you take care of the defense fully. This is your show. I'm going to be over here working on the offense. And, you know, Wade Phillips is is that guy. He's someone who has head coaching experience in the past. You know, he's someone who's familiar with the Atlanta Falcons. He was here as an interim coach in 03. So you're 02, 03. Another guy, uh, another name who I'm interested in, if he were to come out of retirement, is Dean Pease, yeah. who retired a couple times. Arthur Smith knows him from uh, his days in Tennessee. Pease was actually... Tennessee's defensive coordinator mm-hmm. not this season but last season before retiring for a second time apparently there's some reports that um he may be coaxed out of coming out of retirement maybe Arthur Smith can put in a call and you know say you can run my defense completely this will be completely your show because that wasn't the case in Tennessee right, Mike Vrabel right, of course mm-hmm. had his hand in the defense and let me give you some stats for the Titans like in uh, 2019, they went from being the 12th scoring defense under Pease to after he retired, they were the 24th scoring defense yeah. this past year. They were not good this year. Yeah. yeah, they were terrible this year. And I mean, it wasn't there wasn't much change in personnel. Um, they they brought in um they brought in Clowney as like a big name signing to take their defense over the top. So it shows that he had. He had a lot to do with their defensive success. Uh, he's someone who's won a couple Super Bowls with that defense. I'm looking. We need a veteran defensive coordinator who's been around, who knows, who who commands the respect of the defensive guys as you know a defensive head coach. Like I, I know, I know that age is an issue. Both of these guys are in their 70s, but uh, we need we need someone like this because Arthur Smith is such a young guy and. Mm. You want someone with that wealth of experience to help guide him through being a head coach the same way Wade Phillips did with Sean McVay. You know, these are guys, invaluable guys whom Arthur Smith can go to ask for advice. You know, uh, how did you handle it uh, in your experience? What happened like here? Like, um, how should I handle this situation? Because being a head coach, it's it's not just uh, calling the play successfully. There's a lot that goes into being a head coach especially for a young guy like Arthur Smith, who's two years older than our quarterback right now. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's funny to think about, honestly. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I think there was a rumor going around this afternoon that, you know, possibly Dean Pease and his son um, might come on 
to, to wherever Arthur Smith landed. Uh, and Pease might, you know, stick around for another few years and then try to hand things off to his son. You know, I'm not always the biggest fan of like nepotism in the NFL, but look, if it gets wins, then it gets wins, you know? So if you get Dean Pease out of it and maybe, I mean, his son might be a great coach. I, I, we don't know at this point, but, um, that's certainly one that's interesting. Obviously Wade Phillips, very interesting. Um, hasn't really been any like connection there necessarily between these guys, but, um, he does have a connection to the Falcons. So that's always in the air. Um, Logan Wood, Rex Ryan for DC. Yeah, I like, yeah, there you go. Now we're getting spicy. Yeah, <laughs> getting those spicy DC picks. <laughs> oh man, they dodged a real bullet with him back in 2016. Uh, Rob Ryan is DC. Oh yeah, there you go. Rob Even Ryan. Spicier. Bro, <laughs> it's still one of my favorite stories of all time. I think he was interviewing for what, was it the the Rams head coaching job? And he just like snuck out mid-interview to like go have a cheeseburger or something. <laughs> like, I, I don't know if that's an actual story or not, but... The man I don't was a hot, he was a hot def, he was a hot head coaching candidate at one point. Like he presided over a top five defense in New Orleans, and then like you know it, it just shows you just how quickly you can fall from grace in the NFL. He has a terrible year in New Orleans uh, the next year, and then he's like nowhere. He can't even get an interview after that. Yeah, yeah. It'll be. I think it'll be pretty exciting on who they hired uh i don't support the spicy hires by the way you know just to make sure that's clear but uh you know greg williams someone should probably put that name out there right? i heard he's got he's looking for a job so uh, <laughs> look if we want to go down the bounty gate route you know then i know greg williams would be the perfect one to contact i'm not trying to do that so uh you know Let's not. Let's not do that. Uh, I mean, I'm on record. Uh, I would love Wade Phillips or Dean Pease. Like, give me one of those old head head coaches who have been coaching since the 70s and, you know, who knows still how to run a defense to this day. Like, a young coach like Arthur Smith needs a guy like that to to really elevate his coaching staff. It, yeah. it'll, it'll be like having another head coach on the team, but not a head coach who's going to, like, step on any toes. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that, like you mentioned, like having that experience to help out Arthur Smith, who's going to be a first time NFL head coach is valuable too. Uh, you know, it's going to be a very young top of the ticket here for the Falcons with Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot. So adding some experience in there would be ideal, I think. So I'm happy with that. Obviously we're going to see the staff get filled out here over the next week or two, uh, you know, as with the Titans eliminated, if they wanted to try to hire Titans assistants, they can. Um, we don't know who else they'll be targeting, but it's going to be coming in. You know, it's going to be coming in quickly. So, you know, keep your eyes open for that. Um, so we got George Costanza with another $3. Again, brother, thank you for your support so much. Um, he says, I get people want to draft for the future, but the fact is we haven't won jack shit in our franchise history. Every season, the Taints, uh, the Taints have a Super Bowl and we don't. Bucks have a Super Bowl, we don't. I'm done. We should draft Harris, Chase, Devontae. I don't care which. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you're wrong for wanting to win now. I think that is a legitimate strategy. And it, it could be the strategy that they choose. I just, I think we don't think they should draft at four if they're not taking a quarterback. Because someone wants a quarterback. So you have to trade down. Now, maybe they do decide to go all in on offense and take one of those players, you know, in the teens or something, if that's where they end up trading down. Um, you know, if Devonta Smith or... or Jamar Chase is there at like 15. I think that's more of a conversation you could have in terms of just value at that point. You know, Kyle Pitts, something like that. Um, I still think they probably just need the talent on defense more than anything. Um, 
but I also wouldn't be shocked if they, we do see a trade down into the teens and they go after an offensive lineman. Um, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, a guard tackle prospect, you know, they could slot him in at left guard uh, and really try to just hammer home that offensive line as a strength. Um, could be second round, could be whatever, but... Just I'm always because, for improving the offensive line. Yeah, and at four, I mean, like, I do like Sewell. I think Sewell's a great prospect. It's just, like, you're really... If if to get a guy into your lineup, you have to, like, move two people around, that's probably not the guy you want to draft at four. Like, you want to have someone you can slot in. Um, now, if they are convinced that Sewell's the best player on the board and they can't trade down and they don't want a quarterback, then fine. I'm not going to be upset about it, but just... They should be trying to trying to trade down if they don't want a quarterback. Um, that is basically where we're at there. Um, but yeah, I uh, I would be pretty shocked if it's not quarterback. I mean, I, I don't think Smith needs one, like we said, but I, I where they're picking, where the value of this class is, they're going to have at least one of the top four options available. Um, it just seems like the writing's on the wall to me. So I don't know. Are you, are you still there, Adnan? I think you said you were. Yeah, absolutely. I'm still completely on the quarterback train just because of how important that position is in the NFL and just because I am worried about the idea of what we're going to do when life comes after Matt Ryan because Father Time will claim Matt Ryan as a victim eventually. Father yeah. Time claims everyone as a victim. Uh, he's going to claim us as a victim too one day. <laughs> coming up on 28, man. I can feel you know the life <laughs> drifting away You know, if I was an NFL player. But uh, yeah, it's... Um, you have a chance if you hit on a quarterback and you know, you don't know if you're going to hit, uh, you know, because that's just the risk you take, but you're going to have to take that risk eventually because you're not going to find your quarterback sitting there in free agency years from now. Teams don't let great quarterbacks hit free agency unless it's like a Drew Brees situation where he has a possible career altering injury. And when's the last time, you know, that's happening, that ha- that's happened with, with uh, a quarterback, like the Vikings like tried Bridgewater to hit maybe? on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like even Bridgewater, like he, he's like a I solid think, starter, but yeah. yeah I don't point, think Bridgewater is yeah. winning you a Super Bowl. Like, I don't think you're going to a Super Bowl with Teddy Bridgewater as your quarterback. I don't think you're going to a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins as your quarterback. And I, I'm a big, like Kirk Cousins truther. Like I've really liked Kirk Cousins the past number of years. But, you know, he is not working out with the Minnesota Vikings. And, you know, I see DW is um, <laughs> it's, it's talking about age right now. So, you know, I, I'm going to uh, I'm going to let the elders, yeah. you know, yeah. take, take control. Of that, oh, man, um, I love the shade there. Yeah. That, that conversation. That was you know, I'm, I'm yeah. going to probably hear about this in, uh, in the Falcoholic group chat. Yep. Yep. Um, sure we will. But Waiting for no response now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I absolutely just want to be guaranteed that you know we can bridge that gap after Matt Ryan. And if you hit, you're set for another 10, 15 years. And this is how cultures are built. If you have if you have quarterbacks who are good over time, if you have multiple quarterbacks the same way the Green Bay Packers built their quarterbacks with um you went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, they built this culture that people know about for the past decade and a half this mm-hmm. the falcons have the same chance to, to do the the same thing here where you know matt ryan has done a great job helping change the culture of the falcons a little bit now you need the next guy to help extend it and to help add on to it yeah yeah i agree uh so that that's why we're favoring that i don't think anyone's wrong for wanting something different uh 
but you know it, it i think the writing's on the wall with that so we will we will see uh we got one more donation here from Corey carter with the five dollars brother thank you again for your support uh so Corey says no on wilson no on lance obviously lawrence will be gone mac jones will go late in the first fields has shown that he does not sit oh like sit behind a quarterback i see uh yeah, I was about to say, like, oh, what is that? But yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Uh, still a year or two early for QB. Ryan is not dependent on his physical tools. We still have a year or two left. I agree, and I that's why I would take a quarterback now because I think if you're wanting to win abs- like right now with one of these quarterbacks, you're probably hoping for Lawrence. And if it's not Lawrence, I think all three of these other guys need time. Um, they're not going to get it most places, the Falcons are going to be able to give someone time. And that's why I'm higher on Trey Lance to the Falcons, because I think that you do have at least one to two good years of Matt Ryan left. And if Matt Ryan plays great in 2021, um, you either keep riding, you know, keep keep going in 2022. You're not under a rush. You, you have this first round quarterback for five years under rookie contract with the fifth year option. You don't have to rush Matt Ryan at the door if Matt Ryan's playing great. At the same time, if Matt Ryan is playing great going into, you know, and has an awesome season and you really like the rookie too, you can trade Matt Ryan next offseason for cap relief and probably a first round pick if he's playing at that high of a level. So it can be the best you, of both worlds. I think San Francisco won't <laughs> won't be in on that. Right. I've had I had a, a a 49ers fan like commenting on one of these shows saying like there's no way Shanahan would ever want Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan sucks. No, it's like not did at you, all. Yeah. Do you not see like what they did together these two love each other man like i don't i don't like i think you're way off base like if you don't think no, shanahan, would Sh- consider- no, no, shanahan <laughs> wants to stick with jimmy garoppolo yeah like, yeah you know, that, that's what he wants exactly so like the 49ers are in that weird spot where they're not bad enough to get a top five pick but they're not good enough to like win with jimmy garoppolo so they might have to trade for a quarterback um and if they have like the 20th overall pick next year uh, and they, you know, and, and we're in that situation and they're willing to trade that for Ryan. I, I think that's an option. Um, so I, you don't have to think that Matt Ryan's bad. You don't have to have a problem with Matt Ryan. You can want to play Matt Ryan for another year or two and still think that drafting a quarterback at this point is the right option because there's a lot of reasons why that could work. Um, so it, they're not mutually exclusive folks. You can like Matt Ryan and want him to stick around for another year or two and draft a quarterback. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm in that boat. Yeah, like I too. want Matt Ryan here, and I want to draft another quarterback, and even the next two years. Like I wouldn't be against uh, someone like a you know taking a Justin Fields or a Zach Wilson and having him sit for two years. Aaron Rodgers sat for two years. Yeah, like if Matt Ryan is playing at that level, and we make the playoffs with him next year, and you know we're going for, and Arthur Smith says you know let's let's keep him around, let's let's uh, run it back with Matt Ryan two years from now. Yes, do it again. Like <laughs> run it back, you know, that, yeah. yeah, run it back. I think that's ideal. Like you know, uh, two years you have Matt Ryan uh, playing fantastic for the next two years. You have a guy like a Wilson or a Fields um, sitting behind him for the next two years, and then two years from now, when uh, that young guy is ready to take over, maybe you trade Matt Ryan for a high draft pick still, mm-hmm. like a first, like even older uh, quarterbacks are still very yeah, valuable yeah. to teams that think that they're a quarterback away. Yep. So, you know, I think we could still get a really nice return for him. I think that would be getting the best of both worlds. Yeah. And like, look, 
I don't know, like, I know that the, the, the buzz and the current trend is like you take a quarterback and you play him immediately, but you don't have to do that and you, you don't need to do that. Like, I get people think that your first overall pick should be on the field immediately, and generally that's true, but there are exceptions for franchise quarterbacks, and I think if you think you're getting a franchise quarterback, even if he's going to sit for a year or two, you still draft him. Like, you don't just wait because you think that, oh, if I draft someone in the top five, they have to play right now. Like, don't get locked into that mindset. That's too rigid. Like, modern NFL, you draft the best player for your team. You don't draft for the rookie season. Get out of that mindset. You draft for the rookie contract always. Always it's the rookie contract you're drafting for. So if that player isn't going to start in year one, that's not the best situation. But for a franchise quarterback, if you think you can get three years of him on a, on a rookie contract after sitting for two years and getting him where you need him to be in terms of ready to play so he can hit the ground running in that third year, that's super valuable. How many first-round picks would you pay for a franchise quarterback if you knew that guy was going to be on his rookie contract with you for three years before you had to pay him? Even if it was just three years, even if it was just two years, you'd be talking multiple first-round picks, right, for a guy like that in his prime, young, that you're going to have for a decade or more? Like, you wouldn't question a move like that. So keep that in mind. This is not about 2021. And, Kevin, I uh, just have to say I got to run. It oh, was yeah, no a problem, great, man. Yeah. great talking with you guys. I'll see you guys on Sunday for the Saints uh, draft party. Absolutely, yeah. We'll catch you on Sunday, man. Thanks for coming on. Hey, guys. All right, hold on. I don't know if my solo page here is going to work. Give me a second. All right, it's 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 off-center. It's off-center. It's okay. I can fix that. But, uh, yeah, folks, um, just, just don't get locked into that mindset of, so-and-so has to play immediately or it's not worth the pick because it's just, it's, it's, you're not like, I, I, and Corey, like, I love you, man. You're, you're not punting on the season if you take a quarterback. It's not, you're not throwing in the towel. Now I agree. You're probably more likely to win in 2021 with a like top five defender, but who are you taking? Like, who is this top, who is this defender that's really legitimately worth that top five pick? Micah Parsons? Sure. I think Micah Parsons is probably worth a top five pick, but he is not really filling a huge need for you. You have three great linebackers under contract next year with Deion Jones, Foyasade Luok, and Michael Walker. Like, that's arguably one of the positions you need the least on defense. He can help you out as a pass rusher to some extent, but, like, it, it's, you know, it's not like you're getting tremendous value there. Um, maybe you think Patrick Sertan or Caleb Farley is worth that pick. I wouldn't argue with you there. I think if they can't trade out and they have to pick someone, I think that, you know, Sertan is probably the best choice because I don't think there's any pass rusher worth that pick. Um, I like Gregory Rousseau, but he didn't play this year and he has one season of good production to his name. So at that point, I just don't think that he's worth it. Um, so you either trade down or you draft a quarterback. And if you're forced to take a defensive player, I would take Sertan, but, um, you know, that that's where we're at. It's, it's not necessarily an ideal situation. All right, George is going to argue with me. It's okay. If you're giving me money, I'll argue with you all day because I know George is respectful and he's he's coming he's coming from a place of respect. I respect you, George, so we'll talk about this. Um, so George says, hell no, do not take a quarterback to sit him. It's a waste of a top five pick. I am on the Kyle Pitts train. He's uncoverable in the current NFL. I am on the Harris train also. Hope he's there in the second. Devontae or Chase would be fine also in the first. I love Pitts. So yes. I know you're super into these guys at the top, George. Um, I like Kyle Pitts a lot. I think his addition would get the Falcons, you know, a really dangerous two-headed tight end attack. 
At the same time, he's not worth fourth overall. Uh, I don't really think any offensive player is in this class except maybe Sewell. And even that's not really a need for this team because you're forcing one of your tackles into guard. Jake Matthews shouldn't be playing guard. Uh, Caleb McGarry probably can't play guard. He's 6'7". That's just going to be really difficult for him in terms of leverage. Uh, Like, I I don't know any guards of that height, so that's really difficult for him. So um, it's not going to be an ideal situation. Maybe you play Sewell at guard if you think he's going to be a great guard. Maybe that's what you're saying. But a guard in the top five, uh, unless you're getting Quentin Nelson there, probably not worth it either. So, um, you know, it's not a waste because of what I mentioned, right? you aren't drafting that quarterback for 2021. You're drafting him for 2022 to 2026 or whatever the number of years is. Like if you get three years of rookie contract out of a franchise level quarterback who then goes on to start for you for another 10 years after that, you can't convince me, you can't convince me that that's not worth the fourth overall pick. Um, And maybe it doesn't help them win in 2021 necessarily, but we want a coaching staff to come in here to plan for the long haul with this team, right? We don't want this team focused on just winning in 2021. We don't know how competitive they're going to be. What if injuries strike? You know, what if they lose two players, like two offensive line starters in the first two weeks? The offensive line's a disaster. Matt Ryan's getting killed, and they're just really struggling out there on the offensive line, and it's just not working out. Like, you could have a 2018 happen, right, where everything looks like it's going to go great, and it doesn't because this is the NFL and shit happens. So... You don't build just for next year. That's how you end up kind of in the situation we are now, right? With a terrible cap situation, 31 players under contract. Um, at least they have some good draft picks, so we have that. But uh, it's 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 a long-term game, and we and I, I guarantee you they hired Terry Fontenot because he had a long-term vision for this team that wasn't just about winning in 2021. Um, so that's that's where I'm at with that. I respect you, George, for, for wanting to win now. I think, like I said, I think that's a fine strategy. I just don't agree with taking those offensive players in the top five. Now, if you can trade down into the teens, then we can have more of a conversation about that where I feel like the value might be worth it. I still don't think the value is worth it for Najee Harris there. That's just my opinion. You guys can disagree. That's fine. But Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, maybe. Pitts, yeah. Uh, but I still think the team would be better off taking a defensive player there. Like if Caleb Farley's still there, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker on the offensive line, maybe. Uh, Wyatt Davis, I know he struggled a little bit recently, but, you know, these are some guys that I would consider. Um, Ronnie Basu says, uh, is Fontenot confirmed or no way to know until New Orleans season is over? It's basically confirmed. I I mean, we don't officially have an announcement. We didn't have officially have an announcement for Arthur Smith until now anyway, and I was trying to tell people that it's basically confirmed. Um, Fontenot, I guess, has made it clear to people in the media that he will not formally accept a position until the Saints are done out of respect for the Saints organization, but he's coming to Atlanta. Um, so don't, don't worry about Fontenot. He's coming here. He was told, but he, I'm sure there's an agreement in place, at least in principle, for him to come in and be the Falcons general manager. So there's not really going to be any drama there. So don't worry about that. Um, we're going to take a, I'll take a few more questions guys while I'm here, uh, go for a few minutes longer. So if anybody has stuff, throw that in the chat. If you've got uh, donation questions, you want to get in, get those in now. So I have time to get to them. Um, but yeah, while I take a quick second here, uh, please do like, the show if you're enjoying it and that helps other folks find the channel on youtube and if you're not already subscribed hit that subscribe button we have lots of great content coming for the falcons i'm doing uh 
between one to three videos a week now. Um, I did have a cap analysis piece scheduled to go today where I was going to break down some restructures for the team. Um, I've delayed that till Monday because I was pretty convinced I was going to be doing this show. So it would just got gotten, you know, lost in the shuffle. But on Monday, we will have a cap, another cap uh, article, co- uh, well, video coming out, breaking down some restructures the team could do. So check, check for that on Monday um, and check out the Patreon as well. If you're interested in getting some exclusive perks and taking part in our uh, patron question and answer session, which is going to be, you know, one to two weeks now before the end of January, just kind of letting the dust settle around this new coaching staff. But um, if you're interested in that, check us out on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash alcoholic live. We have a variety of tiers for uh, all sorts of levels of interest and the show is on twitter at alcoholic live and shout out to that twitter i think we're like three followers away from getting to a thousand followers on twitter so if anybody does the twitter if you want to help me out uh hit hit the hit the at alcoholic live on twitter with those with those follows to get us to a thousand that would be a great uh cap off of the day here for us so thank you guys um but yes let's see so i think we have some some questions in here um so Lil Rebel asks, what position would I target in the second round for the Falcons? Uh, so to me, I think that it needs to, if, there, if it is a quarterback, and I'm assuming that it is, it needs to be defensive player, in my opinion. I know I know we talked about Najee Harris in the second. If, if Najee Harris is there in the second, I think they will strongly consider taking him. I just don't think he will be. So um, we'll say that they take a quarterback. Then I think it needs to be an edge defender. I, I like the depth at edge better in the second round than I do at corner. Um, I think I took Jalen Phillips in our latest mock, um, but there's a lot of guys there. Hamilcar Rashid Jr. Um, is another name that I like. Uh, I know some folks are big fans of Carlos Basham. Um, he's another guy. There's a, there's a lot of names there. Aziz Ojalari is another one. Um, so there are a variety of edge rushers that could be available there. I think that is where they need to go uh, in terms of player. Now, if one of the cornerbacks from the first round falls, I would be open to that as well. And like I said, if, if Najee Harris is there, I think you consider it. But um, personally, I, I think it needs to be edge. Um, so let's see. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, Cameron Howell says, would I prefer if we were to trade down or take Panay Suleff available, uh, trade down, because I think the, the value is just going to be a lot better for a trade down, you know, teams trading in the top five to get a quarterback, especially you can, you can throw out that trade value chart. I know I had some people tweeting me about my mock draft. They're like, Oh, you, you got way too much in this trade. No, no, I, I did not use the chart for trades into the top five because trades into the top five for quarterbacks do not follow the chart. Because you're getting a tremendous amount of value if you get that franchise quarterback. So I actually used historical examples to construct that trade. And that's what I would recommend looking at, not looking at the trade value chart. Um, so I think the Falcons minimum are going to be getting a, a, a future first. And depending on how far they're jumping down, I think they're going to be asking for a second and a third as well. I think that's the starting point. Um, if it's only moving down, you know, a few spots, they maybe they get a second and a future first. If it's more, they're probably asking for first, second, third, and a future first. Uh, if it's like the 49ers, for example, and they don't have a third rounder, they might be asking for a 2022 second in addition. So um, I think that's that's where we are 
going there. That that's uh, I think I would prefer all those extra picks, especially on day two. That's where the the meat of this class is. Day two is really strong, and this class is much stronger than the first round, in my opinion. Um, so that's where I would try to load up and get as many day two picks as I could instead of getting Sewell, who I think would be very good. But as I mentioned before, I just I don't think that shuffling around a ton of players on your offensive line to to make a pick work is ideal. I do think that Sewell's really good. I think he could be a really good guard. Um, I think he could also be a very good left tackle eventually if if Matthews, you know, ends up leaving or a right tackle if McGarry ends up not panning out. But I think McGarry showed you enough that you're comfortable starting him. Um, And I think Jake Matthews is fine and is probably not going anywhere for a while. Uh, He's only 29, I think, or 28. So he's still quite young. He's got a lot of good years left. So, um, you know, Sewell to play guard at four, I don't know if I think that's great value. Um, but it wouldn't be the worst pick. Wouldn't be, wouldn't be a pers- worst pick at all. Uh, so I'd be, I'd be happy with Sewell to just get a really good player in the building. But in terms of value, I don't think it's fantastic. Um, we're not drafting Kyle Trask. Don't, don't talk to me about Kyle Trask. I've talked on the show before. Uh, I'm not trying to call people out necessarily, but um, Kyle Trask is is not a terrific quarterback prospect. He's a good college quarterback, um, but the difference between the college and the NFL level is big. You can't get by in the NFL with a below-average arm. You can't get by in the NFL without being a decent athlete. Uh, And you definitely can't get by in the NFL with both of those things. So uh, Kyle Trask is big and tough and, you know, plays hard. Uh, And I like those aspects about him. But he does not have a good arm, and he's not athletic. So he doesn't really offer me the upside of of a franchise quarterback. Um, So I just am not interested in Kyle Trask. Uh, If I'm taking him to be a backup on like late day two, early day three, maybe we could talk about that. But uh, I'd rather just gamble on players like Kurt Benkert at that point and see if we can get anything. Um, I think Mac Jones is better than Kyle Trask for the record. I mean, I think Mac Jones has the upside of like a solid NFL starter. But again, is he a player I would take to be like my franchise quarterback and a year in, year out top 10 guy? No. Um I think he's kind of like a Ryan Fitzpatrick type of guy, like someone that can win and make you competitive with the right team around him, but not someone you're really wanting to take early. Uh, so that's kind of where, where I'm at with that. Um, so Lil Rebel asks again, um, would I trade back into the first round for an edge rusher? No, I, I don't think it's necessary. Uh, I, I think those guys will be there. The Falcons only have to wait like three picks in the in the you know, second round. So I, I don't think it's necessary to trade up for an edge rusher. There's a lot of guys in that area that I like. So I think you just sit there and you take the best one available. Um, yeah, Carlos, the realist, we finally got our coach, man. I know you were, you were uh, going back and forth in the comments about whether Arthur Smith was going to be it. Uh, yeah. So, you know, good, good call there. I, I agree that Arthur Smith is a great hire for this team. Um, so uh, Mike Thompson says, how are the saints and bucks looking next season? Um, the Saints are not looking good. Uh, they are minus 100 million almost in cap space. Uh, and I think that's assuming Drew Brees retires because the Saints have been doing a lot of crazy stuff with Brees to keep his cap, to keep their cap in, under control. And that's included adding a bunch of void years to his contract. And for those that don't know, this is a relatively new phenomena that teams are doing. They are basically adding fake years to the deal um, that the team will void when the player retires. So what that means is those fake years all come due when they void the contract, like when the, when the year, when, when the player retires. So they're going to owe like an additional 30 million against the cap as soon as Drew Brees retires. So 
they're basically planning to just blow the whole thing up is what it what it looks like as soon as Breeze goes. Like, they're going to have to cut bait with a lot of players just to get under. And if the cap goes down to this number that over the cap is putting out there, for the record, I don't think it is going to go down that far. I think it's going to stay flat, so they'll be in a little bit better shape. But if it does go negative, uh, they could be, you know, close to $100 million under, uh, $75 million under, something like that. It's really... I don't know how feasible it is for them to even get under the cap at that point. So it... it I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to be in a really, really dicey situation no matter what. So if I was a Saints fan, I'd be very concerned about who needs to get cut to get under. Um, and at quarterback, who knows, man? Is it going to be Jameis Winston? I guess. No, I, I think it's going to be Taysom Hill. Um, they're just kind of obsessed with Taysom Hill for who knows what reason. But uh, yeah. Um, Viral Graph asks... Uh, when do we think Smith's going to have his pers- first press conference? Probably tomorrow. That would be my guess. Um, if he was going to have one tonight, they probably would have announced it already. So it'll probably be tomorrow. That'd be my guess. Um, all right, we'll take a couple more here. I'll go, I'll go for a one, one and a, one and a half. So we got five minutes. Um, so if you got any more donations, anything like that, get those in now. Um, to make sure I have time to read them off before we close out here, guys. So thank you again. Like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Anyway, continuing. Um, so. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Um, Solaire, shout out to Solaire, patron. Uh, Solaire asks, uh, am I more excited about this hire than Dan Quinn in 2015? I remember you being, yeah, you're right. I was a top voice guy. Somebody remembers. Uh, yeah, I am. Um, I, I thought the Dan Quinn hire was like solid, but I thought he was kind of a product of Seattle's talent and all that stuff. And, you know, maybe like way, way hindsight, I was right. But Quinn did some good things. And I, I think overall, you probably are pretty happy with that hire. You know, he got you to the Super Bowl and that sort of thing, considering the other candidates that were available. Um, I am more excited about Arthur Smith. I've been wanting an offensive coach for a really long time now. They made the right call going after the top offensive guy, which apparently was Arthur Smith and not Eric Bieniemy. Maybe our reporting wasn't so wrong after all. I'm just saying, people on Twitter, I'm just saying, you know, maybe don't call us out for getting a story wrong and then just be wrong about it, you know? Just saying. That's all. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm very excited about this hiring. This is a guy I've had my eye on since last season. Uh, going all the way back to September, I think is when I officially like put it out that this was my prediction. So, uh, really, you know, that obviously is nice to get the prediction, right. But I really just enjoy that. Um, so yes, I am excited about that. Uh, jail hunt. What happens if a team stays over the cap? I don't know that it's ever really happened. I think teams like are required to be under it. I think the NFL might just start voiding contracts at that point, but it, I don't think it's ever happened. So I don't know, to be honest with you, uh, don't know exactly what would happen if the Saints can't get under. Um, the NFL would probably go out of their way to make sure they could because it's the Saints. But uh, who knows? They might have to give them some sort of, you know, exemption or some sort of thing where they might have to borrow against next year's cap to get under. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, we'll see. Um, so Ronnie Basu asks, uh, what is my favorite for the number four pick? So if I had to, like, say, make a prediction about who they're going to draft it for right now, I think it's going to be Trey Lance. This has been my thought for a while um, because I think that obviously the Jags are taking Trevor Lawrence. I do think the Jets are going to take either Zach Wilson or Justin Fields at two. Um, and I think at three, if Justin Fields is there, we're going to see a big trade up for Justin Fields. Uh, 
if Zach Wilson, if it's fields at two and Zach Wilson's available, we might see one for Wilson. I, I don't know. I think I feel, I feel that the Jets are going to take Zach Wilson because I think they're going to overthink it, even though Fields is a better prospect. Um, and then if Fields is available at three, then someone's probably going to try to trade up in front of Atlanta for Fields. So, and the Falcons should not consider trading up. By the way, do not do that. That is not worth it. Um, sit there and take who falls to you because they're all good guys. Um, and if you don't like the one that falls, then just trade down and somebody I'm sure wants them. But, um, I think it will be, I think the highest chance is that Trey Lance will be the one they end up with because I think that he, the, his skill set is perfect for Arthur Smith's scheme. He's super athletic, super high ceiling. They have time to get him acclimated. They have at least a year, two years to get this guy where he needs to be in the NFL uh, and I think he has one of the highest ceilings of all the prospects. So I'm totally comfortable with Lance at four. And if the other three guys go all in front of them and the Falcons get Lance, I think that's great. I think he's the one with the best chance to be there at four for them. So he's my favorite right now. I think I would take I would take both Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields over Trey Lance. But um I would take Trey Lance over Zach Wilson in case folks are asking. I know that's not a popular take. I like Trey Lance a lot, if it's not clear. Um, That's not necessarily the consensus. I think a lot of people like Zach Wilson, and that's totally fine. I just like Trey Lance's upside so much uh, that I'm willing to, like, go to bat for him and to take that risk. So not always, you know, uh, I can be a little spicy on here. You know, I don't always go with the flow, so... You're, you guys are welcome to rank them however you want. I'm sure the team will have their own ranking too. So it, it really just depends on what you think. Um, so we got one final tip from George Costanza. Another $3, brother. Thank you so much. Uh, so he says, A thousand curses upon the taints. Let them go back to the basement after Breeze retires. Seriously hate that team and their fans. Still want the Falcons to be the pallbearers at my funeral so they can let me down. One last time. <laughs> That's brutal, brother. Super Bowl next year. Hashtag we believe. Yeah. Um, obviously, hope the Saints suck. And I think that they will be in a really bad spot next year, especially if Breeze retires. So we'll see. Now, to be fair, every Saints fan I've actually like met in person, like I have a Saints fan neighbor. He's super nice. And like when I went to a game, I sat next to this party of Saints fans and they were also super nice. They, sh- they like got beers for us, like our, our party. They were very nice. So like, I think Saints fans in general can be nice, but Saints fans on Twitter are the worst. So, you know, there's a dichotomy there. Uh, I think fans in person are usually a lot nicer than they are online. So uh, take that however you will. Um, yeah, Paul Mack, I'm up. I'm out of time. I see your question about free agents. We're going to talk about free agency a lot going forward um, because now that we have an idea of who the coach is, we're probably going to get some hints about their other plans and what sort of schemes and that sort of stuff is going on. We might see some cuts soon um, before the start of the league year. Depend That could also signal some stuff. So free agency is definitely going to be a hot topic of our coming shows. Uh, so Wednesday's show, we're going to obviously talk about the staff that's being assembled and that sort of thing. But definitely stay tuned. I'm going to have some videos, just standalone videos about free agency targets and all that stuff too. So definitely stay tuned for that. That's a topic I want to get to. It's just a little late to dive into that now. I definitely have some names on my mind, but... Um, Yeah, guys, again, thank you all so much for tuning in with us uh, tonight. A little bit impromptu show. I want to remind you guys, 
to come hang out with us on Sunday for the Bucks versus Saints game. We're going to be doing another watch party. That was a lot of fun last weekend. Response was great, so we'll see you guys then. Hopefully, you'll join us. Uh, that's going to start at 6.30, so just uh, 10 minutes or so before the game, come in and, and hang out. And we'll, we'll ha- If you want to ask questions, that's a great opportunity too as well because, I mean, I'm hoping the game will be better, but last week it was basically just, you know, three hours of answering questions because the game sucked. So yeah, it'll probably be better, but you know, who knows? Um, so thanks guys for that. And we will see you on Sunday. Um, please do like, and subscribe to the channel. If you haven't already, we really appreciate that support. Uh, check out the Patreon. If you're interested in supporting the show finance financially and getting some perks, the discord is live. Come and hang out in there and chat with us. We've been having a nice lively discussion in there lately. Follow the show at Falcoholic live. Help me get to a thousand follows. You, pro- you guys probably already did that, but, uh, you know, anyway, thank you. And, uh, guys, again, I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin on Twitter. Uh, follow my stuff on there and look out for some more videos coming over the, the next few days. The site is thefalcoholic.com where we have all the best Falcons coverage. If you haven't checked it out yet, if you don't know about the site, get over there, get the coverage. No one else competes with us. You know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say, I'm going to toot our horn here. Okay. The falcoholic.com best Falcons coverage bar none. We have some great writers over there. You guys met half of the crew basically tonight, but, um, Definitely check that out if you need your your Falcons content itch scratched uh, until Sunday. So check that out, guys. Uh, but otherwise, again, thank you for your support. Thank you to everyone who donates, everyone who subscribes and likes and just tunes in every week. We appreciate all of you. So until next, until Sunday, guys, have a great night, and we will talk to you then.